America, Washington, D.C., signing on. When the sounds lose hell. Welcome to another episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org. I, of course, am NC Scout, the best-selling author of The Gorilla's Guide to the Baofeng Radio and The Gorilla Dispatch, Volumes 1 and 2. I'm sitting down today with my friend, my brother-in-arms, and a guy who is going to be here in North Carolina in just a couple of weeks teaching his series of courses, Ground Rod, and we're going to be talking about that. But uh, Kay from Combat Studies Group, what's up, brother? Always good to sit down and talk with you, man. Oh, yeah. Now, for longtime listeners, they know who you are. We've done many episodes together, and we've, you know, we, we've broke bread many times. Uh, uh, you know, I'm grinning from ear to ear because last time you were out here for Ground Rod 1 and 2, we had an absolute blast. Um, you know, yeah. it, it was, it was yeah. so much fun. You're going to be teaching that again, and you've got a couple of other classes you're going to be teaching out here as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We're doing the gunfight concepts and uh, hard target traveler as well. Yeah, man. So a little bit about you, your background. What brings you here? What brings you to this? Um. Honestly, when, when I started in this, uh, this kind of tech privacy adventure, um, I was deploying for one of the intelligence agencies. Um, and I was just concerned about, you know, my ability to securely and privately talk with my family back home or deal with business issues or, you know, what have you. Um, because what the agency I worked for was providing us downrange was really not up to task. And we were actually being hacked by nation state adversaries on a regular basis. And it was getting kind of ridiculous. Um, so I actually started teaching this to other guys out in the field um, just as a way of, you know, basically self-protection. Um, and it, you know, I just kind of grew from that. Um, you know, the, the origins of this, I've got about 30 years of service, um, you know, split between a couple different, uh, military organizations and, uh, the Intel, Intel side of the house. But initially when I joined the military, I worked in surveillance and reconnaissance and intelligence, um, wasn't really where I wanted to be. You know, I was a young guy, I wanted to go kick indoors 
And, uh, but I'm kind of glad it, it worked out that way because it, it kind of gave me a base of knowledge that I would later fall back on. Um, once I was sick and tired of kicking indoors and my knees hurt and my back hurts, and, you know, I, I want to find smarter ways to solve some of these problems. Um, not that, you know, uh, the kinetic side of the house is, is still near and dear to me, you know, and I, I teach on that side as well. Um, but it's just, it's really a small piece of the pie as far as, you know, self-defense, if you want to put it underneath that. Um, so, yeah, uh, and a lot of this has just been proofed out downrange, um, you know, as far as the particular devices or the particular applications or how, you know, how one goes about setting up a you know, a secure channel between point A and point B. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, kind of war game this with some of the guys from the signals intelligence organizations out there. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, you know, your experience obviously exceeds mine and um you know but I, I what i always tell folks when you're talking about communications because i mean that's the 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 triad of of effective action is shoot move and communicate um mm -hmm. and you know everybody focuses on the shoot you know people think that they know about the communicate but you know they really don't uh, for the most part, at least what I find in the the two the larger two A community, uh, you know, however somebody wants to define that patriot community, uh, goon community, whatever you want to call it, like yeah. for all the listeners out there, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, mag militants militia patriot two A, it's all under the the two A banner, right? Um, they think that they know about communications, but you know, it, all, all of the, the people that are just now discovering all the things, um, you know, and, and you can kind of see that in a lot of the information that's floating around out there. Uh, but when, it, you know, and then, of course, it comes to move. And that's like the one that, you know, some people are having kind of have a hard time with. It's like, you know, you got to get out there and do something physical and you can't sit behind a laptop all day or, you know, behind your devices all day. But that being said, um, you know, whereas I focus on a, a lot of RF communications and two-way stuff, whether that's, you know, sustainment, tactical or clandestine, you know, your, your base of knowledge and, and what you cover is what I feel to be, uh, probably even more important because it applies to everything in your day-to-day -day life. You know, when you're talking about, uh, mobile phone communications, for example, I mean, you know, nobody out there, you know, with the exception of maybe like the, the very paranoid few exist without a mobile phone today or some sort of mobile device or something with internet connectivity. And mm -hmm. um, that becomes critically important to understand what it's actually doing, what it's not doing. And there's a lot of junk out there when it comes to uh, privacy, security and anonymity. There's a lot of misconception. There's a lot of um, people that are hucksters that are selling you on nothing more than buzzwords. Um, 
you know, and, and people that don't really understand threat modeling either. And that that's where your, your base of knowledge is so important because you've done it where it mattered. Your life actually depended on your capability of being secure, you know, and it wasn't necessarily the United States government that was the primary threat. It was other governments that have this capability as well. So case in point, um, you know, why this is important, it should be on the minds of everybody, you know, in their day to day lives, especially as the language of the United States government continues to uh, devolve into the, the ever encompassing uh, domestic terror label and the, the blatant and flagrant violations of, of civil liberties here at home. But uh, Tucker Carlson, you know, it, yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, in fact, was the, uh, the big news that his uh, signal account was broken into by the NSA. Uh, he was given a heads up by uh, a contact that he had or a fan of his from one of those agencies. And, of course, uh, his his journalistic uh, press credentials, of course, he knows he's not going to give any names away or anything like that. You never want to burn your source on stuff. But, you right. know, it's not hard to believe. And so, you know, when when you're taking that into account, I know that there are there are uh, fans of signal in certain ends of the um, secure communications end of things. And it does have some strengths. However, it's got a ton of drawbacks, too. And depending on what your threat model is, you know, what are you protecting yourself from? This can really, uh, you know, it, it can go sideways very, very quickly. Uh, so take us through what those threat vectors are with the app itself. Um, maybe your take on, you know, what what was the, the vector of, of uh, his exploitation or how was his device broken into? How was the uh the the messenger itself broken into and then your solutions to it so my my first question to tucker would be um what handset is he using and i'm gonna go ahead and say that he almost for sure is using either an apple iphone or an off-the-shelf google android variant of some kind um so th- there's kind of this underlying principle with all these various pieces of software applications that we use for whatever purpose. In this case, you know, we're looking at something that is providing some level of privacy uh, to our communications. Well, if your base device that you're running your software on is compromised, and it is, if it's an off-the-shelf, what I just mentioned, iPhone or Android, it is compromised essentially. Um, then it's fairly trivial, from a technological standpoint, to circumvent the protections that you're afforded by these various apps. And this is just assuming that Signal is is not nefarious. Signal's not doing anything wrong. Their code is sound. Blah blah blah. You know, uh, even if they're doing everything right. You know, if you're on a compromised device, well, you're you're still going to be out of luck. Um, now, if 
if what he's saying is true and he was actually attacked by uh, the NSA, more than likely they used Pegasus, which is their go-to tool for that purpose. They've been using it for a while now. It's, it was created by the Israeli intelligence services. Um, it's really powerful. I mean, especially if you're just looking at a commercial off-the-shelf phone. Um, you know, the only thing that might give it a run for its money would be something like graphene, um, you know, which has a, a lot of a lot of extra hardening built in at the kernel level. But um, yeah, so I mean, this could apply to a, a pretty wide variety of, you know, quote unquote, private or secure communications apps. Um, and, and as far as, you know, just looking at the app itself now, uh, I would never, and, I, and I've been saying this for years in the courses, Signal is fine for low-level conversations, low-threat model. You know, talking to the wife, talking to the kids, talking to family members, people that you don't care if there's a relationship map drawn between you and them. Um, so it's not something I would use for serious business ever. You know, if I was deploying and using this in a professional capacity, that, that would not be good, um, in my opinion. Um, and, and frankly, there's much better options out there, you know, which, uh, we can explore here in a second. Um, and for that matter, just, you know, since we're talking about signal, even though signal is open source, which means you can go to their public facing repository on GitHub and look at the code and quote unquote, audit the code at your leisure. They, at least one time in the past, at about six months where there was a lag in what they were presenting as code and what they were actually using as code. So, I mean, it is what it is. A precedent had been established. Maybe it was just an honest screw up on their part. I don't know, but it did occur. Uh, and they were hacked in 2019, um, exposing you know some people's data. And again, that was just a malicious hacker. Um, and, and there's a pretty trivial amount of data that was leaked, but still, uh, you know, that kind of thing does happen. Um, Signal still uses Google servers. They still use the Google cloud messaging, the GCM, uh, and they still use some proprietary pieces of code, which are closed source. Um, what I would suggest to people, if they like Signal and they want to continue to use it, uh, they look at some of the forks of signals, such as Signal FOSS, which stands for Free Open Source Software, or better yet, Molly FOSS. Um, so this is just a drop-in replacement for Signal. If you know, I'm talking to somebody else on Signal and I switch to Molly, they won't know it still works. It talks to each other just fine. They just removed all the closed-source little bits. They got rid of the Google Cloud messaging backend. So it's about as pure as you can get from a free and open source software point of view. Um, so like right out of the gate, that would be a good place to start. So, yeah, that's 100%. Um, one of the, the other issues with Signal 
is that when you're registering an account on it, and, and this is my biggest, like, you know, the fact that they use Google servers um, should be a red flag. A lot of people, I don't think, know that. Um, so that was, was awesome to point out. But th- my, my biggest hang up with it is, is that you're using your phone number, your phone number to activate the account. And, you know, the pushback that you get on that a lot of times when you point that out is, oh, well, I can get a burner phone. Okay, so practical terms, let's think about this. So the capacity that we have for automated surveillance, it's not even a a physical analyst that's sitting there looking at it. It's automated. Okay, AI is looking at this. It is analyzing your patterns of life, all right? They're putting this all together, and they're creating a parity map. So let's say, for example, you have a FISA warrant that's been issued on you, which I'm, I, I am 100% certain that Tucker Carlson had a FISA warrant issued for him, 100% certain. I know this from the fact that, that I'm familiar with the laws uh, as pertains to Title Three and do up. I would agree with that. Yeah, he's in and he is talking to foreign nationals. So you got to understand with FISA for all the listeners out there for FISA. If you are dealing with anything that is international in communications, and this includes, by the way, this includes a lot of people think that, oh, you, you know, oh, I have something hosted in Switzerland. I'm good to go. Well, how does your data in motion, when I say something hosted, I mean like, let's say Proton Mail, for example, um, you know, hosted in Switzerland, has some issues. A lot of people use it. Am I saying don't use it? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But it has some issues. Okay. Um, the data in motion from point A to its arrival is what you're seeking to obscure. And if you have a FISA warrant that's out for you, which you have no knowledge of, by the way, uh, they're, they're not going to let you know, hey, we've got a we've got a FISA warrant for you uh, because FISA stands for Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, right? Yep. So if your communications are international in scope, they're going to surveil them. Okay, that, that's it, no ifs, ands, or buts. That's what's happening. So if you don't understand that process, for all the listeners, if, if you don't understand that process, you might ought to get a crash course in, in just that. Uh, that. To understand, again, I, I keep using the term threat modeling. There's a reason for that. You need to understand what the, the realistic threats are and what may be wild-eyed tinfoil hat stuff. And, you know, these days, that's kind of the lines between those two are kind of blurred. But that being said, so for all the folks out there who say, oh, let's just get our, our burner phone and we'll have a burner phone number and nobody will know. Well, you're not changing your patterns of life. OK. And who are you talking to? You know, whoever it is you're talking to are not changing their patterns of life either, because we just don't do that. All right. That's not realistic. All right, we're not doing that. And it's, it's unrealistic to expect that people are just going to magically change everything that they do, where they, they are operating, uh, their day-to-day life, which are, comprises their patterns of life, everything that you do, 
right? You're, you're not going to change that. So, oh, I'm going to use my burner phone. That becomes null and void because if you're using that in the exact same way, talking to the same people for the most part who are behaving the same way, you create parity there, right? And so you might get away with it for a couple of times, but if you think that, that that's an effective means of obscuring what you're doing, I got news for you. Um, a lot of insurgents have tried to do that from about 2006 forward. And a lot of them got real dead real quick because they were doing that. You don't have to necessarily take it from us. There's a lot of examples of this out there. Okay. The metadata, when, when General Hayden said before Congress and was, was laughing about it, that we kill people based on metadata, this is what he's talking about. Okay. So you can either listen to it, take the advice or not. Uh, if not, well, you know, can't say that we didn't try here. So with that being said, um, Signal passes off quite a bit of metadata, you know, your phone number, your individual phone number, and all the data that's attached to that that you may or may not be aware of is a big, big chunk of data on you, whether you, you have knowledge of that or not. And so with Tucker Carlson, he specifically, his quote was, that he was talking to someone and they had that conversation, they being the NSA, had that conversation and knew that that he was uh, scheduled to talk to Vladimir Putin and was going to have an interview with him. Uh, so they had that metadata. How did they gain that? Well, they knew who the other guy was. They already had a pattern of life based on the association from him to point B, whoever that other person was. Right. And so they knew, OK, phone number here, phone number here. We're putting them together and they were surveilling quite a bit on them. SMS messages, phone calls, uh, all the other traffic that was going out, emails, because, you know, we're doing all, doing all the things from our mobile phone, um, you know, social media traffic, all of that stuff. Right. And he probably didn't use very good means to conceal that traffic. Right. It's, you know, because he just he didn't do that. So, you know, Signal, again, has some major, major holes in it. Um, you know, I, I'm 100 percent with you. Probably that I use it for white side communications, stuff that's mm -hmm. above board. Yep, People, 100%. you know, we've 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 already, you know, met one another. We, you know, know one another. It's, you know. And I'll tell you something else um, that a lot of people don't know about Signal is we all know that when you register your account on there with your phone number, it alerts everybody else on the Signal network that you're on there. What does that tell you? The other thing that it's doing that, that people don't know, and this happened to me uh, in May, I started getting invites from random phone numbers, invites, right? Like posing is different things. You know, a couple of them were females. One of them was uh, the the profile pic because, you know, it's very small and I'm not clicking on it. But uh, looked like it was a soldier. It's just like, you know, this is, this is kind of strange. And the phone numbers, so you could see that because there was no profile name attached to it. It was just a phone number. 
run the phone number, you know, a couple of them are coming up to Ukraine. One of mm -hmm. them is Russian. Okay, so what are they doing on the Signal Network? They're on there, right? I have it. I have screenshots of it. Of course, you know, you block that user and you report it to, to uh, Signal's admin, but I have screenshots of it. Uh, so, you know, for anybody that thinks that that doesn't happen, oh, there's no way that could happen. Yes, it, yes, it does. I have screenshots of it. Uh, it happened. So how, how did they do that? What can they see? They can see your phone number. Mm -hmm. that's a big piece of metadata and they got you at that point. Well, let, let's face it in this day and age, your, your phone number is almost akin to your social security number. It is a, a personal identifier. Most people yep. have a phone number and they keep that phone number. Um, you know, and you know, like the, the whole burner thing, burners, people tend to look at it as a tech solution burners are a human solution and it requires a high level of discipline a you got to know how to go about using a burner properly and b you have to have the discipline to do it because you have to break your pattern of life so there, there's discomfort involved um and there's expense involved you know and uh, a lot of people what they quote unquote call a burner isn't really a burner it's just a second phone but it's already been relationship mapped back to them pretty quickly. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's kind of a case of a little bit of knowledge being a real dangerous thing. That's a, that's a good way of putting that. That's uh you know, I almost, I almost told somebody that that was, it was given a little pushback on the, uh, the things I, the tradecraft methodology I was advocating the other day. And I almost, I almost said, yeah, you know, you, you don't want to knock people down because they are trying, but it's like, you know, it, it's like watching somebody learn how to use a chainsaw and they're doing something so unsafe that you're like, okay, don't, don't do that. Cause you're going to hurt yourself. You know, you don't want them to hurt themselves, but they just don't get it and they won't stop. You know, if, if that makes sense, you're like, oh. yeah. Yeah. But now that we've we've trashed on all that, we've you know told you <laughs> told told the world how how they're coming for you because uh, because they are um, you know let's let's talk about some solutions you know so there's a plethora of great messaging apps out there um, some that I had never heard of until you know I picked up one of your phones. Um, you know, your, your, uh, your security conscious phone that you offer, and I'm still running it now, man, this thing is, it stood the test of time. Like it's, it's over two years old now. And, uh, it's still, you know, the, the battery life is a little short on it now, but otherwise it's, it's, it's rocking and rolling. And, uh, you know, but the messaging apps to me, that's, that's one of the big, uh, that was one of the big learning things because I knew about a couple of them, uh, mainly session, uh, wire, of course, I've been using wire for years, but, uh, I knew about session hadn't, hadn't really had hands on with it. I knew about element, um, you know, which is very interesting. And I knew about Briar. And uh, had just a tiny little bit of hands-on with Briar. Uh, but talk us through some of these messaging apps. 
and like so, some of the really cool ones. And, and when you were here um, uh, for the last ground rod series, when you were here in North Carolina, you had some really cool ones and uh, one that I had never seen before and uh, seemed to work pretty well until that last update didn't want to play well with uh, this distro of the operating system. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of them out there and it, it, it's kind of one of the side effects of the, the general increasing of awareness of the security state or the surveillance state, if you will, you know, uh, a lot of people are waking up to the fact that, you know, it, we're in a panopticon of sorts. Um, so there's been a, it's been kind of a driver for, you know, a lot of development. Um, you mentioned wire. I, I would put wire in the same category as signal. Um, I think it's a little better in some ways by virtue of its server sitting in Switzerland, as opposed to San Francisco, uh, it being a corporate body in originally in Switzerland, now in Germany. Um, as opposed to Signal, which Signal as a corporate entity being subject to FISA warrants, um, Wire would not be, doesn't mean they won't hand over information to the authorities, just like we saw with ProtonMail. Um, and that the mechanism for that is an MLAT agreement with Switzerland. But, you know, be that as it may, you know, at the end of the day, none of these companies are going to go to jail for you. You know, and that's it's something people got to kind of really square with themselves. Um, you know, whether it's a an email service or a VPN provider or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I would I would say wires kind of on the same level as Signal, a little bit better, uh, but it is centralized again, just like Signal, and so suffers some of those same same uh, potential weaknesses. Um, so, looking at some different technology, we've got a classification that I would call uh, the Ricochet group. And this goes back to what used to be Torchat or Ricochet back in the day. Um, and it kind of went away. Um, and so there's been a couple people that have rebuilt some apps based on that same code. So you have Speak, S-P-E-E-K, uh, Ricochet Refresh, and Kutch, C-W-T-C-H. And so the underlying technology there is they're using Tor version three, um, which is going to obscure your IP address. And that's actually offers quite a bit of protection, uh, especially in the anonymity arena. Um, they, you know, and, and all these different apps I'm going to talk about, they all kind of got their pros and cons. The more secure they get, generally speaking, the more difficult they get to use. Um, and, you know, it's just like there's no free lunch. That's, that's just the way it goes. Um, you've got the decentralized or blockchain-based ones like uh, Session, which is built on the Oxen blockchain, which is a fork of Monero, one of the leading privacy current uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, it employs onion routing, so similar to Tor, but kind of their own blockchain-based vision of Tor services. Um, so you have a multi-hop connection obscuring your IP addresses. Um, 
along with session you have bchat which is very similar it's just built on a different cryptocurrency um structurally very very similar though um adamant also another blockchain based one um adamant's kind of interesting because i can utilize adamant in a normal web browser window um so this would be applicable if you don't have any of your own devices on you and you're forced to use someone or something, you know, someone else's uh, computer somewhere at a library or, or what have you, and you can't install anything because they have it locked down. Um, so having something that's web-based is, is uh, a good thing to have in your, in your toolkit. Um, and then you've got some kind of unique ones like Simplex. Uh, which I think you had played with last time I was out. It's yeah. a, it's an, a really interesting one. It is decentralized. Uh, you can push it through Tor V3 as well. Um, no metadata. It, it's it for the time being, and this could change, but it, it's kind of near the top of my list. They've, they've solved some problems pretty elegantly um, that uh, needed to be addressed as far as the whole privacy, anonymity, security aspects. Um, and it's actually not that difficult to use. You know, uh, the biggest the biggest issue with, with, you know, a lot of these ones I've mentioned, um, it's kind of the inverse of what you see with Signal and Wire, where all I need to connect to somebody is their phone number or their email. So it's easy. You can remember it. You know, you can just plug it right in. All of these are using, you know, big, long numerical hashes. So it's, it's, it looks like gobbledygook. It's, so it's not, it's not easy to, you know, hand this over to someone or just say, hey, contact me via this. So these QR codes, and there's some other ways that go about trying to solve that problem. But, you know, it's, it's a small price to pay if you're looking for a higher level, you know, due to your threat model, a higher level of privacy or anonymity in your comms. Um, those are those are probably the big ones off the top of my head. Um, you know and there and there are a lot more than that. A lot of them, you know, commercially available in like Google Play Store and on, you know, Apple Store that I generally just shy away from, you know, like you know, like WhatsApp WhatsApp claims <laughs> a privacy-centric, uh, you know, uh, messaging system because it uses the Signal protocol, so it uses Signal's encryption. Yeah, but they have different ways to de-anonymize de you. They have ways to, you know, and, and they don't even hide it, um, you know, and it's owned by Facebook, uh, which is a big data collection, you know, operation. Uh, so that's that's just a joke. Uh you know, and there's dust uh, and a bunch of other ones, um, tons and tons and tons of them. I would stick with the ones I mentioned. They're open source. Uh, you can look at the code the code can be audited. Um, you know, there's a level of accountability there. Um, they're not engaging in, you know, roll your own crypto like the Telegram guys. Uh, Telegram's another one that, in my opinion, is just a, a dumpster fire. Um, 
it's great for what it is. People kind of use it as a social media platform. Yeah. That, that's fine. You know, it's awesome. Um, but don't use it for a secure communication tool. It, no. It's not, it's not that that's not what you're looking for. No, uh, no. Telegram. I've found telegram to be useful for one thing and one thing only real time data that's coming like Ukraine, for example. Yeah. There are a multitude of channels on both sides of that conflict that there is real time stuff. That's raw. It's, it's raw data that that's coming out. Um, and, and you're seeing it. So kind of how, uh, social media platforms circumvented the 24 hour news cycle, the 24 hour news cycle circumvented, you know, the six o'clock news. Telegram is kind of circumventing social media because it's, you're, you're seeing things in real time there that, uh, you know, you, you necessarily, unless you're following, you know, accounts that, that are based in those regions and conflict, you're not going to see it. Uh, or, or, you know, you might miss it on telegram though, bam, it's, it's like, it's instant. And, um, you can see all that. So you, you have this real time data feed that's coming up, uh, that, that telegram's useful for, but as far as communications, nah, you can forget it. Um, that's no, uh, you know, I, and, and I've had people ask me about that more often than not. Well, uh, yeah, I use telegram. Is that, uh, you know, good or No. No, um, and it's hosted in Britain, which has uh, probably the the worst of the the privacy laws or laws regarding privacy. They they don't you don't have any rights in Britain. Um, you know, MI five is very very adept, uh, and they utilize all the same tools like the the the. Tools that we have in the United States are the same as, as what they're using in Britain, as well as a many, uh, large number of other countries, right? Many, many other countries out there, including the Israelis. And they have that ability, you know, so what they can collect in Britain and then collect that on you, you know, oh, but we're American citizens. Yeah, but if your data is going to a British company, they can they can nab up all of that data. And you have no legal protections. Yep. And who are they handing it to? See, that's the other thing. And, and it becomes this gray area where, you know, civil liberties and the, you know, the argument that libertarians make of, you know, but hey, I, I am a, well, real world here is about to kick you in nuts. This is, you know, what you think in your perception of, of protections and reality are incongruent. And, you know, you, you would be surprised at, at what could be collected. It, it's just, yeah. You know, so I, I yeah, it, it, it generally when I'm doing an initial review on a piece of software and I'm, I'm, I start looking at the company behind it or the people behind it. And as soon as I see that it's based out of Britain, I, I just stop and I move on it, it, you know what I mean? It's just such a bad indicator. And, you know, and it could be a great bunch of guys. It could be a solid company and they're just trying to do right. Uh, but yeah, it's so, they're so vulnerable being in that jurisdiction. You know, I mean, there's, there's literally more cameras watching people in London than there are Londoners, you know, and that's not an exaggeration. 
Um, that, that's absolute lunacy. It, it is an absolute surveillance state. Um, I'd say they're as bad as China, if not worse in some ways, you know, as far as surveilling their own people. But um, yeah, so uh, let's see, where was I going with that? I'd agree a hundred percent, by the way, with that they're as bad as China and, and to not to scare anybody out there, but the technology that is being fielded in Britain is being fielded here too. Like, in, you know, you go oh, to yeah, New York, yeah. you go to Chicago, you go to Los Angeles, you go to San Francisco, you go to Dallas, you go to Atlanta, especially in Atlanta. They're fielding this technology there. Like they, they have, they, it's all the same stuff. It's all the same companies. Now, mm. you know, again, we, we could have that conversation about what they should and shouldn't be doing. You can have that conversation all you want till you blue in the face. doesn't change what is. This is what they are doing. What is, it is here. Uh, so, you know, but I, again, it, you know, running the risk of beating a dead horse, but it, it's, it's waking people up. Hey, you know, the surveillance state is here. The, the, uh, we already have the, the 10 minutes of hate. We already have the, you know, all of the things that Orwell predicted We're there, we're there, we're there. And so taking this stuff a lot more seriously than I think a lot of people do. And I get it. For, for a lot of people, man, the technology goes over their head. I mean, it, it's it's beyond them. They want a simple answer. It's the same way with radio. Look, you know, I, I'm not worried about talking around the world. I just want a, a means of communication, but, you know, from point A to point B. A local. Okay, cool. Roger, we got that. All right, this is how we're going to do it. Well, I think... From hearing the feedback from the students in Ground Rod 1, especially, that, you know, your course really addresses those needs and does it in a simple way to where, you know, anybody could follow this. It, it You know, it, it doesn't assume any prior knowledge. And I think that that's really important um, because, you know, a lot of people get intimidated by, you know, communication security, ComSec. Uh, internet security, IT networking, and, and all that stuff—they get really intimidated by that, and they get turned off. And so, I think that that you know, you have a unique packaging and a unique instruction style that makes it accessible to a lot of people. And I think that's really important. Uh, do you care to elaborate on that? Yeah, it, it. You're absolutely right. It's it's an intimidating subject, and a, a lot of people the initial response is just to walk away because it's just, you know, they, they, it's just a bridge too far for a lot of people mentally. Um, not that they're not capable. They just, you know, they're not sure what to expect. And then they, they're kind of expecting this horrendous, you know, math lab they have to sit through and, and, you know, try to try to understand all these new concepts. Um, and I do, I try to really, just boil it down to guy off the street level. Anybody can, can understand this stuff. Um, you know, bring some simplicity to it. You know, I, and I'll offer 
kind of boxed up solutions for people, sort of like the apps we mentioned. Um, but also, I try to make sure real hard that people look under the hood. You know, they, they understand what, why is it do it this way? What What's actually going on? You know, when I send an email, what, where does it really go? And, you know, things like that. Um, you know, I think it just helps kind of having that, that little bit deeper knowledge of what's really going on behind the scenes. Um, and then, you know, and then in the follow on courses, we go a little bit deeper into the stuff. Um, you know, and people are usually pretty comfortable keeping up at that point. Um, you know, we were talking about, uh, jurisdictions earlier and, uh, it just made me think of, uh, VPNs and, uh, you know, I just had this discussion with someone the other day, um, talking about this VPN or that VPN, uh, which is a virtual private network. If you're not familiar, um, it's basically a way to obscure who you are on the web. Um, it, it masks your IP address and your IP is replaced by the VPN providers, uh, IP address. So, um, same rules apply. If, if you have a VPN provider that's a company based out of the U.S., they're going to be subject to FISA warrants. So there's no expectation of privacy there. There just isn't. Um, unfortunately, that's, that's just the harsh reality. Um, and for that matter, I, I generally just tell people, stay out of the five eyes. You know, and the five eyes being an intelligence accord between the U.S., Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and Great Britain, you know, kind of the, the, the commonwealths, as it were. And they freely share information between each other, on each other, and on each other's subjects slash citizens. Um, and, I mean, it's not all bad. There's some good that comes out of it, you know, out on the battlefield. Um, but it, like anything else, can be used for nefarious purposes, um, especially when it gets turned inward towards the citizens. Uh, and we see a lot of that going on. Um, so just as a kind of rule of thumb, if you're dealing with a company that's providing you with some kind of data service uh, or handling your information, best to avoid ones that are based in Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Great Britain, in the U.S. Um, and again, that's unfortunate, but that's just where we're at in this whole thing. So, which kind of leads me to the whole DVPN thing, which I touched on briefly, I think last time we talked, um, the D yeah. decentralized. So this is newer tech. It's kind of a newer way to uh, kind of square the circle um, using the blockchain tech that's out there uh, to provide a solution. And it's, you could argue it's structurally similar to something like Tor, where you've got multiple nodes that your traffic gets routed through each one with a corresponding layer of encryption. Um, but it, it, it does it in a different way. Uh, it doesn't have some of the same vulnerabilities that Tor might have. Uh, and you've, you know, the two big ones out there would be LokiNet and BellNet. And just like Tor, you can use them to mask your, your traffic 
or you can actually visit sites that are hosted within that that ecosystem. Uh, again, like on Tor, you could visit a, you know, you could go to homedepot.com through Tor, right? And the, the IT guys at Home Depot would not be able to ascertain who you really were or where you were actually coming from. Um, or you could use Tor to visit a website that is hosted within the Tor cloud. So it would be a random number dot onion site. Um, so some of these chat applications we talked about earlier, they actually host the communication within that Tor cloud. And so, you know, that adds, it greatly adds to their security. Um, so yeah, this blockchain tech is really bringing a lot to the table. Um, so we're seeing some good stuff. Um, there's a lot of DVPNs coming on the scene now. Um, I use them all every day just to test them and play with them. Um, Mysterium, Portals, uh, Orchid, KelVPN. And uh, some of them are, are solving some unique problems like, uh, you know, there's the concern of the, the quantum singularity when quantum computers hit that point where they can factor Shor's algorithm or Grover's algorithm and, and crack encryption. You know. um, so that's a concern. Based on my research, we're still a good decade away. But, you know, is it conceivable there's things I don't know? Certainly. Um, currently, the fastest qubit processor out there is the, uh, the IBM uh, Osprey. And that's got 433 qubits, uh, logical qubits. Um, the general consensus in the mathematician community is that we're looking at about a million qubits to crack encryption. But we're seeing an exponential growth every year with, so, you know, you could factor the math and that puts you at about a, about a decade. Um, but, you know, there could be breakthroughs, you know, who knows. So one of these, KelVPN, uses post-quantum encryption. And, uh, and there's others starting to look at that. And we're seeing cryptocurrencies that are starting to look at post-quantum encryption. So they're, they're replacing the more conventional legacy ciphers like AES and RSA, which would be subject to attack by quantum computers, with lattice-based encryption or mezzarine primes or something that is going to be resistant to that attack, regardless of the size of the quantum computer. So, um, point being, there's some really interesting stuff coming out of the blockchain space and uh, has a direct correlation with privacy security. So that's, that's pretty exciting stuff. It is. It's pretty scary too, though. Like yeah. The, the, the whole... Um, the whole quantum computing as it relates to security is one of my biggest concerns of, you know, going into the years forward. Um, because, you know, for, for anybody that's not on the up and up on all this stuff and they hear terms like, you know, oh, it's encrypted. Well, th those are qualitative terms, uh, not quantitative. And whenever someone starts talking to me in qualitative only terms, uh, that, that's an immediate red flag. You know, you're, you're a used car salesman at that point. Uh, tell me what you mean. Like, let's quantify this because, I mean, if, it, you know, 
like the story that came out yesterday about uh, Gretchen Whitmer's staff trying to uh, hide from public record, you know, their their communiques about the Flint, Michigan water situation. And uh, they, they literally changed the font on the, you know, the, their uh, memorandums that were passing back and forth. They changed the font to the Greek alphabet, you know. <laughs> This is just stupid. I mean, it, it, like, but, but technically, technically, that is a type of cipher. Yeah. By yeah. definition, you know, this is a type of encryption. It's a really stupid one, uh, and one that is easily defeated. And and I know why they did it that way, uh, so that they could hide from uh, public queue searches. That, that that's what they were doing. Right. Um, you know, you, you're you're hiding from uh, FOIA requests at that point. Mm-hmm. But this is, which is illegal, by the way. It is illegal that they're doing that. I, do I think anybody will get in any, any trouble for that? No. Uh, no. It's, it's Michigan, and that's what happens when you live in a one-party state. Just like California, just like apparently Georgia now, uh, New York, etc., Illinois, etc., etc. But I, I digress. But, you know, the, the point, though, is is that it doesn't matter. the, the we're, we're getting to the point eventually where it doesn't matter the the robustness of one's encryption on the digital side of the house not the physical encryption that that's a different conversation uh but the digital encryption that you're using and the protocol therein itself we are approaching a time to where that's under threat um in in a very significant very serious threat we're not there yet you know, as you pointed out, um, you know, but we're estimating a decade based on what's known now. Right. But the, the expeditious nature by which this technology is evolving, you know, could be a little faster than that. We don't know. You know, it, it's it, and, and I'm not sure who actually does know that that's the other thing. Um you know, I'll be having a conversation uh, soon with a uh, someone who works in a uh, very serious capacity in uh, AI research and quantum computing. And that's that's really my topic of conversation is what threat does this pose to encryption specifically? And to that end, what types? Um, because I'm fascinated to know. I, I want to know. Uh, to stay ahead of the game, you know, and, and that's the thing too, is this is something that, that I said and got shared around in the social media spaces uh, that technology is in perpetuity. Techniques are timeless. You know, this is something that people got to understand. The technology is going to change. It's going to constantly change. Like what we're advocating people to do today may not be so tomorrow. You, you can't get so married yeah. to one thing. Like, for example, it's going to bridge the gap of the technology in the shooting community. Like, all right, th- there was a point in time in the shooting community where everybody advocated using the Weaver. We don't do mm-hmm. that anymore. It's stupid. Like if you use the Weaver stance, in a class, if you see an instructor advocating using the Weaver stance in class, like, what are you, this is dumb. What are you doing? You know, we, we yeah. don't do that anymore. We don't, this, that doesn't work. 
And there's a lot of valid reasons why that doesn't work. Like we, we don't do that. Um, but, but there was a point in time where people advocated that signal, for example, bring this back to signal, you know, 2014, 2015 signal was, was a solid option. You know, there, there was the same drawbacks then or drawbacks now, but, but it was a very solid option then. Nowadays, uh, why, why would you, when, when, why would you, Trust your life to something you know has vulnerabilities when you've got other options that are seeking to close those holes. It's just, you know, I don't know. Am I off base? No, you're, you're hundred percent correct. It, it, we, luckily we have so many things to choose from now. Um, and I mean, you could apply that in, in the, in the technological space or in the kinetic space. Uh, you know, like, like the weaver, you know, back in the day, that's what we did. That's what we knew. Um, and, you know, fast forward through 20 plus years of warfare. And, you know, we learned a thing or two. And, you know, it's not that, you know, you're, you're necessarily going to lose a gunfight if you stand in a weaver. It's just, it's a technique, but it's not the preferred technique. You know, there's some benefit to shooting in some other ways. So same thing with, you know, signal. Again, low threat model, you know, it's fine for what it is, but there's much better techniques. There's better options, um, especially as you move up that threat model. And, you know, I... I have to kind of look at everything through the worst case scenario, you know, lenses, because I think that's the best point for me to teach this information from, whether it's, you know, kinetic skills or tech skills, because your reality is going to fall somewhere below that threshold, you know, hopefully way below that threshold. Um, but I don't want to under teach. I want to over teach, you know? Yeah. You know, it's we it's better to already be doing something that exceeds the standard than to realize what you were doing was was pointless or what you were doing, what you thought was really good. You know, um, you know, you, you've been on countless deployments and, you know, you, you, you watch a lot of strange stuff when you're deployed, like random documentaries <laughs> on things that are just like, what the fuck? Like, why? Why are you watching that? But, um, man, one of the things that, that woke me up to this whole privacy, security, anonymity, maybe maybe you need to be paying attention, uh, stay ahead of the curve. Um, you know, I was watching a documentary on bodybuilders in Southern California that had a, a steroid ring and they were uh, traveling to Canada. They were going up to Vancouver, coming back down. They were going up to Canada, buying the steroids, coming back down. And so they've got this DEA investigation. You know, they got busted. They all went to federal prison for drug trafficking and um, made a documentary about it. And it was really fascinating, man, because, um, you know, how they were communicating was they were using hush mail for everything. 
you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, and, and this was back, this was probably 2008, I think. And so I had a, you know, I, I had a Hushmail account, I think, at that time. I know I had one before that, but I, I, I think I had one then. It, it was still around. I closed out a lot of stuff before I deployed, but um, the, the second time around. But anyway, uh, so we're, we're sitting around watching this and we're like, oh, you know, like all, all those things that we're using to track, you know, quote unquote terrorists, you know, Iraqi insurgents and whatnot. It's like, what's well, all in this documentary and the DEA is using it. Yeah. It's like, oh, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the judge is, they were like, and this was the evidence that was. Uh, presented before the judge, and it was the emails from Hushmail. It's like, oh, how'd they yeah. get those? You know, how how did they get the emails themselves? And so that's like, for me, man, that was my jumping off point where I was like, dude, you know, you need to pay more attention to this stuff. You need to take it some more seriously because what what everybody is saying do that to me is a red flag. If like everybody's saying, "Oh yeah, 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 do this," well, uh, uh, you know, it- yeah, that, that's that's a really good point. The and and there is a, a massive push for Signal, and it, not to keep picking on Signal, but you know, if I if I do ten random searches for what's the most secure, what's the most private, you know, messenger out there. Signal will be on that list every single time. It'll be top of that list every single time. And I'm thinking they're paying for it. Yeah. So this, you know, this is basically advertisement. It's not, uh, you know, it's not unbiased research. And they're only mentioning, you know, that that thin veneer on the surface of, of apps that are out there. They're not digging deep. They're not looking at anything that I've mentioned. Um, so. Again, that does kind of throw a flag, uh, just like, um, <laughs> you know, watch any of the the influencers on the conservative right, any of their podcasts or any of their uh, YouTube channels. And you see you see a couple repeating sponsors, you know, ExpressVPN is a big one. Well, ExpressVPN is essentially a honeypot. They got bought by Cape Industries. Uh, they're essentially a Mossad front. Um, you know, along with Cyber Ghost and a couple others. And, and I'm just thinking, they're just ignorant. They just don't know any better, you know. And do a search for a VPN in a search engine, and you'll get those, you know, curated ads that pop up first, and it'll be ExpressVPN constantly. Again, yeah, that definitely throws a flag. You know, yeah. so. You see that stuff yeah. all the time. When think about it too, like you know, Signal's got a lot of money behind it. Like they're they're not necessarily transparent about where some of that comes from. Um, right. You know, it, it's again, I, and I don't want to turn this into beating up Signal now that we've done it for an hour and two minutes. But it, it, it's it, to make people think, start questioning stuff. You know, there's. Six ways in, 12 ways out, right? Like that, that's, a, you know, a, a terminology for seer. You know, there's six six routes in. You need to have 12 routes out, double the amount, you know, routes of egress, so on and so forth. 
but you know, and, and it was a really cool survival manual back in the day. If it if it's still around, I'm not. Sure. I got a few copies floating around here, but um, you know, you have to have that when it comes to everything, like you know, pace planning. You know, pace plan. You know, in, in the book, Grills Guide to Balfang Radio. Pace mm-hmm. plans in there. We talk about communications planning. You know, teaching in class. You teach it in class. It's you know, pace planning is is the bread and butter of communications, route planning, mission planning, everything. It, everything that goes into that, like primary, alternate, contingency, emergency. And so, when, when we're talking about uh, digital security, and we're talking about you know your your communications via. Uh, IT protocols, you know, you you really need to have a multitude of options there and, and be studying up on what those vulnerabilities are behind it. Don't trust what everybody is saying. Uh, everybody, quote unquote, right? right. Because, you know, if, if, and if you don't know, you know, be honest about it. Don't be one of these, these you know, kids out these edgelords you know, and, and, and that's what they are, you know, gamma personality types that, that are know-it-alls, you know, and, and, oh, we only do this. Uh, okay. Show me where you've done that. Show me where you've done that, where it mattered. Ooh. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and then I might take your opinion a little more seriously, but, you know, it's, you know, I don't, I don't care what you did in the lab. That's nothing but academia. You know, I don't care what you did playing airsoft with your three friends and, and, and you know, out in the woods behind the, the uh, you know, at the end of the cul-de-sac where you live. Like, I don't give a shit about that. You know, that, that doesn't matter, man. Like, nobody's nobody's coming after you. Like, you know, yes. It's, it's, it's all irrelevant, man. But, you know, with that said... Techniques. Techniques are timeless. Right? You can apply techniques to everything. Everything you're doing. You know, every primary means, alternate, emergency, emergency, you know, break down those those communications, compartmentalize them based on white side, what you're doing overtly, red side, which which has a layer of uh, uh, obscurity there. You don't you don't want the world knowing. You know, it, it's in a, the way I establish red side communications is people that, that it is known that you know them, but you're obscuring the nature of what you're talking about. And then black side communications, which is, you know, the utmost comsec. You don't even want people putting the association together between right. the, the two targets, you know, and, and what we're talking about here, the, these messaging apps, the decentralized nature behind them is, is you know, how to do that. Uh, you know, Briar, I'll, I'll throw one last thing out there. Briar, by the way, and, and there's a few others that do this, but one of Briar, uh, which is another one of the apps we've been talking about, one of its greatest strengths and what I use it for is localized mesh networking. So yeah. if, you know, you're, you, you've got a uh, Bluetooth hub, for example, Right, which is what you know, Laura Mesh networking, so on and so forth. Um, which I'm not the biggest fan of, and there's there's reason there's you know I have very serious reasons why. Um, but 
if you create, let's say, a, uh, a, a wireless mesh network that is uh, Bluetooth and you have a, a Bluetooth uh, amplifier at a central location, let's say I'm conducting urban surveillance on something and there's a, a lot of Bluetooth devices that are in play where I am, right? Well, what I can do with that with Briar is have several different Wi-Fi only devices that are networked in to one another. And we can use that as an alternative to uh, radio communications, which might be more overt, which might be more easy to intercept. You know, we would be able to hide in the noise floor at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, and Briar is very good for that. It, it, it's because there is no central location. You can actually go peer to peer with that. Several of the other apps that are out there that, that you mentioned have that capability as well. Yeah, it's it, and that's where Briar really shines. Uh, Birdie's another one that has that capability, but it's it's that ad hoc or point to point comms where you don't need infrastructure. Sort of a, a poor man's Gotenna. Um, you know, it, it doesn't quite have the reach that something like Gotenna would have, but you know, it's it gives you options, um, and it you know it could fit into your situation. Uh, you know, look, we're working security at a a big church event where nobody's that far apart, but there's a lot of human terrain that we're trying to navigate through, um, you know, and that just gives you another way to, to be able to have encrypted comms with each other, you know, your security team in the, at the event or, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty handy tool. So, hour and eight minutes flew by like crazy man it's it's, <laughs> it's been that long it's been that long dude we we get to go in on stuff man we, we get going and it's but you're gonna be here in a couple of weeks and i'm grinning from ear to ear man i can't wait <laughs> you know we're we're dude i uh i've got some presents for you when you show up i think you're gonna like uh -oh. it i think you're gonna like it some some very old, very delicious Dalmore. Oh boy! Some, and some good cigars to go with it, man. We're gonna, gonna gonna give you a big Carolina welcome, man. It's gonna be we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. Where can people find you? Where can they enroll in class? So I can be found at CombatStudiesGroup.blogspot.com. Um, I'm also on Gab under the same name. The uh, I'll have, let's see, four courses out of your place. Uh, September 15th will be Gunfight Concepts, Pistol and Carbine. That's three days. Um, my co-instructor is a former member of Delta Force. Civil instruction in that one. Um, the the focus of that particular course, as the name implies, is we're really trying to drill down into the gunfight aspect of shooting, not just, you know, getting out on the square range and working on our marksmanship and our fundamentals. That stuff is incorporated, of course, but really bringing in the stress, really bringing in the situations where, you know, this is the kind of thing you're going to have to deal with in a no shit gunfight. Um, so it's, it's a pretty interesting course. Um, 
then we'll have a hard target traveler, which is just a one day course where uh, I actually built this for a client who had his daughters going to college overseas. And he's like, they've got one day at home. What can you teach them in a day that will save their life? You know, so no, no pressure. Um, so I came up with everything I'd want to teach them if they were my kids, you know, from digital security stuff to some hand to hand basics, to improvised weapons, to communication tools, to area studies and route planning. Um, so it's a good little course. Uh, I get a lot of women that take it. Um, and then of course the, let's see, September 21st, we'll start ground rod one and have ground rod two back to back with it. So all kinds of fun stuff. Um, it's going to be great, man. We're going to eat a lot of steak. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes. Carnivores. Steak with a side of steak. Yes. Like we're gonna mix it up tonight. Tonight we're gonna have pork steaks. Tomorrow is gonna be ribeye night. After that, we'll have New York strips. Then we'll, well have yeah, yeah. ribeyes. Of, <laughs> of course, we're not savages. <laughs> we're civilized here. Okay, we're civilized. Might have might have some uh, some veal shanks one night. Might have to. I have to throw some lamb into the mix too. Mm. Seared lamb, dude. As long as there's no I mean, goat. Afghanistan well, ruined goat for me. Oh, oh, come on, man. Come on, man. Nasty. It's Nasty. just because you got dysentery from the, you know, the poor sanitation conditions. That's, that's all it was. It wasn't the food. It was... Didn't didn't you always feel like your life was on the line when you'd go have those, meet, those, those sit-down meet and greets with the tribal elders? And, you know, oh, you, you got to drink their tea, you got to eat their food. Uh, it's part of building rapport with them, and guys are just getting deathly ill afterwards. You know, like this this is worse than gunfire. Oh my god, dude! I'm gonna tell you, the worst was Iraq. Like yeah. Iraq, right there on the Tigris River. They they're catching all these carp in the middle of mm -hmm. the summer, <laughs> and and so for for anybody that's never seen this, all right, so they're pulling all these carp out of the Tigris. They got tires they've cut in half on the side of the road. Like, you know, when COVID was first a thing, everybody was talking about Chinese wet markets and all. It's like, bro, you have no idea. Like, you, you have no idea. Like, like chi uh, what they were talking about as a Chinese wet market, like, I saw that in Hawaii, man. You go, you go to Chinatown in Honolulu, it's like the same thing. Like, you got live animals out there and stuff that they, they're butchering. We're like, all right, whatever, man. Uh, that, that's part of the culture. It ain't like Iraq. Iraq yeah. You know, Afghanistan was a little cleaner than Iraq. Iraqi Iraqi uh, sanitation is lacking. Uh, highly. <laughs> like, Afghans, you know, they at least clear off the dirt. And, like, you know, when they sit down, they're actually sitting down on a carpet or something. Like, but, dude, they cut them, them tires in half, fill them with ice. It, they, they're putting the carp right on top of it. And that it's just going to sit there all day yeah. in, the sun, in the summertime. So, like, I saw this, and I was like, oh, man. Like, who who would eat that? Like, who would eat that? This is my second trip to Iraq. Like, my first time was in, in Kirkuk. 
you know, they didn't have any fish or anything. It was all lamb and chicken and goat, you know. But um, the occasional scraggly cow that they would kill. But, uh, dude, they were like, oh, we're meeting with, you know, Shake, whoever it was, you know, Shake, Shake Muhammad Hassan, or like, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, we're supposed to be meeting with this dude. Guess what we were eating? That doggone car, man. Yum. Like, we <laughs> sit down. We sit down. Like, I, I, like, a few hours before, I had seen his car up on the side of the road, and I'm just like, nah. Nah, man. No way. You Wait, could never it, get me to eat. Was it sushi style? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Man, it was like they cut the carp in half and like had it filleted out and minced the carp. Like it was it was like minced with with like saffron and I don't know what else, man. And, you know, you know they're sitting there, like they stick their hands and everything to eat. Yeah. And it was just like, oh man, I'm gonna be sick. And they were like, oh, you gotta eat some. It's like, oh, you know, it's just like it just like I don't even know how to describe this carp. It was like it just like it was like putting goo, like like chunky kind of goo in your mouth, and it just like oh uh, uh. Well, the, those people over there, they, you know, they develop a gut biome yep. for what they eat. And, you know, so they, they get by just fine. But until I discovered the, the cinnamon trick, I was hurting. Yeah. See, that protects you. Coats your stomach lining. So yeah, and can... I figured out if I, if I pop a cinnamon capsule before every meal. I never got oh. sick again. It just it kills all that crap. <laughs> I can say I figured it out too late. I figured yeah. it out too late. It was dysentery. I'm telling you, man, like I tell people this all the time. Like, you know, you, you think that there's dysentery in the United States? Like, you know, all right, you get diarrhea with you know the flu or something or COVID. Yeah, you get, get a case of the butt runs, like something done agree. Whatever, man. You, you, most of the time, like people aren't really dying of that in the United States. Yeah. You see, yeah, I mean, could you? Yeah, but we don't generally. Because our, you know, for the most part, used to be our sanitation standards were, you know, high. But, uh, you know, first world waste disposal we we poop in toilets that it goes you know somewhere and is treated or at least used to be but <laughs> but dude in the middle east man nah it ain't like like you you get dysentery where it's just gray water coming out of you you're like mm -hmm. like what is this what even is this right now i don't even know like you just I just you can't laugh too hard at stuff or you're like oh 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 <laughs> you <know? laughs> like you you're taking in you're taking in double the amount of, of protein powder necessary a day just so you can you can be solid yeah you're like ah oh, man Dude, i just don't uh so i was telling somebody about the haji flu like i don't know if you ever got to experience the haji flu middle east respiratory syndrome yeah oh man Dude, 
That was that was the sickest I've ever been, ever. Yeah. Like I thought, and it ripped through all of us. Like I I thought I was gonna die, like legitimately, and I was fine with it. I was just like you know what, please, just I'm done. <laughs> It's like four days straight of of being curled up in the fetal position with your insides on fire. You're just like, no, yeah, I'm done, man. Can't deal with it no more. But yeah, yeah. goat, <sighs> dude. I have a Kazon pot, by the way, from Afghanistan. You know the pots, yeah. they yeah. the pressure cookers. I've got yeah. one of those. <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah. I can get a nasty real gamey quick, goat. Man. I can get a goat real quick, dude. I can tell you. Don't even. <laughs> now the, I think the sickest I got over there ever was, it, it wasn't a virus or anything. It was, I did a winter in Kabul City. And I don't know if you've been there in the winter, but those people, you know, there's no trees. They've de deforested the whole freaking area. And so they got nothing to burn for heat and for fuel. And so they just burn whatever they can get their hands on, which usually turns out to be like mm. tires and car batteries. And mm. so the haze that fills that valley is like nothing you can imagine. And I mean, I went home and my lungs, my lungs to this day are messed up from that. But yeah, I had bad pneumonia. Man. Man no, I never, never got to experience the joy of, Ugh. Kandahar or uh, Kabul. I was down in Kandahar. I was Kandahar was was an interesting. It's an interesting city in a lot of ways, both yeah. good and bad. <laughs> yeah, Kandahar is definitely different than Kabul. Yeah, Kandahar is a little more rustic, man. People were yeah. a little, you know. I heard about Kabul. Kabul was was uh cosmopolitan about yeah. as cosmopolitan <laughs> as you could get for for, for Afghanistan. For Afghanistan, dude. yeah. Yeah, yo, Kandahar is kinda like kinda like the you know the Georgia of <laughs> of Afghanistan. Like all rednecks down there. <laughs> you know, it's yep. Oh man, it's good times, man. Good times. Kandahar City. Oof, I did eat get, eat some good stuff in Kandahar though. It, you know, didn't didn't necessarily agree with me, but it you know tasted good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now let's just oh. say I don't, I don't miss the cuisine. <laughs> nah, nah, man. Nah. But it the one thing that I'll say about Afghanistan, Iraq too. Afghanistan is it proves without a shadow of a doubt the resiliency of the human race because yeah. if dumb people can survive out there off of nothing you can too you can make it too it, it, you know you, you ain't gonna like it but you you can make it you know Ugh. still <laughs> yeah it's hard living oh <sighs> You know it's hard living when you you look at your uh, your local interpreter. He looks he looks like he's maybe forty five. He tells you he's twenty. Yeah. It just takes God. a toll. 
and uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was super common. Yeah, yeah, that uh, was. I was gonna say, man, if you you look at it, all all the men, you just look at them and you see how haggard they get by the time they're forty. Oh yeah, like, damn, yeah, like, man, it's it's a. Uh, before I went to Afghanistan, I had a friend of mine uh, that, that I was talking to that he had been, he went to Afghanistan early in the war, real early in the war, and he was a squad leader of mine. He was my second squad leader that I had when, when I was a Joe and uh, you know, I was, I was telling him, you know, he, he retired out of the army at that point. You know, and I was telling him I was going to Afghanistan. He's like, well, tell you, man, Afghanistan is a hard life. That's all I can say it is it's a hard life. And uh, I told him it was probably halfway through, you know, when I was in Afghanistan, I was talking to him. I was like, Sean, you were right. Dude is it a hard, hard life here. Yep. Like, like brutal, man. It's good times. People, people here stateside, dude. They, they don't know how good they got it. They really don't. This is true. It's, it's makes for for soft men. You know, I don't know, but whole other conversation, brother. It has been awesome to have you on. To break bread, can't wait till you're out here again, man. We are going to have a heck of a good time. Yeah, we're going to have fun, and folks. Check him out, combatstudiesgroup.blogspot.com. He's got a lot of great products up there too. If you can't make it out to class, he's got a heck of a lot of products. Uh, the phone, which uh, is what I use and advocate using. Uh, several of my friends, a lot of your clientele are all using them, you know, and um, they, they work. You know, this thing's been running two years strong. Um, you know, I've got I'm, I'm due for another one. So we're going to be rectifying that one soon. Uh, but it comes with all the tools that we've been talking about. You know, harden your tax surface, folks. Rushbeater.store. Store free shipping on all orders over $100 over there. And all of the products that you need for communications, getting that squared away. I've got radios, connectors, coax cable, everything that you need to get a station up and running. All the professional references that you could ask for. Uh, a lot of really, really good stuff. And this fall, I'm very excited the uh, first batch of night vision is going to be coming in within the next couple of weeks. It is expected to be in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be having thermal uh, coming in shortly after that. So we've got a, a lot of stuff that's on tap. You know, if if everything goes right and, you know, right now the big big thing is manufacturing waiting times and so on and so forth. But we've got a lot of products that are lined up that I'm really excited to roll out. We're going to be having trauma kits as well in the distant future. So that's on the horizon. Uh, freeze-dried food. I'm working with one of the, the best companies I've found for freeze-dried food. So we're going to be offering a lot of products to y'all at the best prices available. Oh, and optics, by the way. 
uh, optics, not one, but two optics manufacturers that we are going to be featuring products from on the store as well. So, like I said, a lot to get excited for. Uh, you know, it, it's it's been a heck of a fun ride. Brushbeater.store. God bless, folks, and I will talk to you again very, very soon. Zensi Scout, out.